Hello and welcome to episode 96 of Command Space. My name is Mike Hurley. Today, I am joined by my friend, Mr. Casey Liss. Hello, Mike. Hi, Casey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. Casey, what do you want to be known for today? <laughs> today? Mm-hmm. Jeez, I, I, you know, I've been on the show. This is the third time I've been on the show. Every time this, this question takes me by surprise. See, I've tried to really give you ridiculous. an in. I've tried to give you an in, right? I've said today. Yes. Um, so today, um, I probably am most known for the fact that my wife and I have announced that we're pregnant with our first child, which is uh, extremely exciting and, and extremely humbling. And it's been a long road to get here, but but we are here. So uh, she's due in, the, in early November, and we're extremely, extremely excited about that. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Now, in, in a, I guess in a strange sort of roundabout way, that's actually setting today's uh conversation but we're not i mean i you know as incredible as it is and as happy as i am because especially you you just go to the show notes five by five dot tv slash cmd space slash 96 or go to caseylist.com um and you'll see a post called finally and you should read it right just read it because it's incredible it's just an excellent piece of writing and it's you can feel the emotion and casey as a friend, I was very choked up reading this <laughs> Well, thing. thank you. So you should definitely go and read it. But basically, I want to talk to you today about blogging. Because anybody that sure. listens to your your incredible podcast that you do, which is one of my, my very favorites. I wonder if you know what I'm doing right now. Um, your, your incredible podcast. That one. <laughs> I think it's the first time I've ever played a sound clip on this show. Oh, this first time for everything. Yep. Um, anybody that's listened to the Accidental Tech Podcast will know that recently you have been working on building your own blogging platform, as it were, a blog rather than a yes. blogging platform. Um, so I guess really for me, uh, the sort of the these two things happening at the same time have led me to want to talk to you about blogging today. Sure. So. What case? Okay, so I want to start off with your sort of tastes. Um, what blogs do you frequent? Oh, that's an excellent question. Let me uh, stall for a moment while I pull up my Feed Wrangler account and <laughs> look at what I've got. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, off the top of my head, you know, I read a lot of the normal essentials as, as you would find them around uh, the circle in which we tend to travel. So, for example, um, my friend and co-podcaster Marco Arment's blog, my friend and co-podcaster uh, John Syracuse's blog, which he which he writes for not terribly often, but every time he does, it's frustratingly good. Um, Naturally, Daring Fireball and uh, Dr. Drang's blog, uh, underscore David Smith's. I mean, I'm not going to read you every single thing on my <laughs> in my no, but that gives a account, taste. But, it gives it gives a right. clear taste of the type. Of, do you have anything that's maybe a little bit more like off the wall? Than that, um, like, any sort of more niche type things that you read? I, I don't know if I would necessarily call it niche, but I read Autoblog, which is about cars. Yeah. Um, Bimmer Post, which is about BMWs, because I'm one of those. <laughs> um, uh, Final Gear, which uh, if you don't know what that is, you can look it up. But um, actually, here's a great example: uh, Imagineering Disney, which is at ImagineeringDisney.com. It's a website all about kind of behind the scenes at making the Disney theme parks. And I'm not sure who writes it, to be honest. I don't know if it's just a rabid fan or if perhaps it's someone who used to be in the Imagineering department at Disney. But that one's that one's really interesting, and I and I quite like that one. 
What do you consider in this day and age to be a blog? Because you mentioned like autoblog. I mean, the, 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 you know, the clue's in the name, but I don't know if I'd necessarily myself consider it to be a blog. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I think at the time in which the term blog was coined, it was to it was to give you the idea that this is a certain style of website where there's going to be regular posts, they're going to be what is it, reverse chronologically sorted, is that right? So the most recent post at the top and then down from there. And at the time in which blogging was new, that was kind of a revolutionary and odd thing. Most of the sites to my recollection that you saw on the internet were kind of brochureware. In other words, it was here, let me tell you about this product that we sell or, you know, Hey, I'm Casey Liss and this is what I do. And that's mm-hmm. about it. And so at the time blogging was trying to set themselves apart from one of those kind of brochureware sites. But today, anything that isn't specifically a product, I would argue almost every other website is a blog in some way, shape or form. That's interesting. Like I, I, in my mind, I look at something like Autoblog and think of it as a car news website, and not. A and it is. I mean, if if uh, you were writing about BMWs on Casey'sBMW.com, then I would. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I would consider that to be more of a blog. Sure. I don't know what. I don't know what that says about either of us. Like I don't know. I don't know what the general consensus is, and which one of us is maybe seen to, to be seen as. Like a heretic or something, but <laughs> one one of us is. So, what do you find yourself reading that perhaps is not the usual? Mm, to, to, in all honesty, nothing because I don't really read that that much. I don't really I don't really read online a lot. Um, as in using RSS, my mm. RSS consumption has declined significantly, and I tend to just read things from Twitter now. I was about to ask if you found that Twitter's basically replaced it. The the only reason that I use RSS these days is um, to to collect links for, mm-hmm. for the news and for shows and stuff. And and even then, like the majority of those are coming from Twitter these days, or you know, my we or people send me links or or whatever, or or like talking to someone. They're like, "Oh, have you read this?" It's simply just because I am more of an audible person. You know, I I like to listen to things, as you could probably assume, rather than read them. <laughs> Um, and you know, if if we'll, we'll, what I was going to ask you now was about how many times you've tried to start blogging, and I'd preface this by saying before I was a podcaster, I tried to be a blogger. Um, it did not work out for me, and I tried for many years, and also since have tried to write, but I I don't like my my. If you go to my website, if you go to mikehurley.net, it's the big picture of my face, and it's the about page effectively, you know. And there is a blog there. So if I have to write something, it's typically if I want to announce something. Like I think the last thing on my blog is the announcement of us moving to 5 by 5 you know? Mm And that's the type of thing that that I keep for my my blog now because I don't don't really... Actually, the last last thing Tell a Lie was was a post about Alexander's company Need because I had a little story to tell. And I wanted to sort of, you know, to congratulate him when he launched his company. And mainly because I took an image, a picture of him that I wanted to, to put somewhere. <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff that I use my blog for because I have enough places in my life where I can share my thoughts on things. So I want to I wanna get into the podcasting a little later on and, and how that relates to blogging too. But 
before this current site that you've just finished work on, how many times have you tried to be a blogger? It's a good question. Um, I guess I would only really count my Tumblog at Tumblr, uh, which is tumblr.caseylist.com, which is still there. And every great once in a while, I'll post to that up until the time that I debuted my, my new website. Um, but I found that I very rarely posted there. Like when Tumblr first was new, and this was before I really did anything on Twitter and before I was even a member of Twitter, I used to post on Tumblr quite a bit. And I used to blog, reblog a lot of things. And I was really into Tumblr for probably two or three years. This is circa 2008, give or take a little bit. And then around the time I found Twitter, I found myself being pulled more towards Twitter and away from Tumblr. And they serve very different purposes, but I think what I found so compelling about Twitter was that even with a vibrant community like Tumblr, I found that Twitter was more conversational, even though I only followed and was followed by people, for the most part, that I, that I knew in real life. And it was still much more conversational, and I, and I quite like that. So to come back to your question, I... I did blog for a while at, at, at my Tumblog, but that kind of sputtered out probably two or three years ago now. And I tried it briefly in college. This was circa 2001, 2002, and that lasted for like a month or two, and then I, then I stopped. And I didn't ever really have a desire to again until very recently, which I'm sure we'll, we'll approach here in a moment. To what level of success would you say you've reached with your blogging endeavors? Up until recently, none. <laughs> uh, I mean, did you ever have you ever written anything that like that 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 before ATP that that got picked up anywhere or anything like that? Um, I think if anything, I'm probably. No, I would be known only for a conversation that Marco and I had years before ATP. This was, I think, 2008. Um, this was when Marco was working at Tumblr and obviously very into Tumblr, and that's where Marco.org was hosted at the time. And he and I got into a semi-heated conversation back and forth about how Macs are too expensive, and, and this is me saying these things, Macs are too expensive, I don't need it. Any of the whiz-bang visual features that Macs have, I can get from this thing called Compiz Fusion that ran on Ubuntu Linux, which was a complete piece of trash, but I didn't know it at the time. And so I had this like long, drawn-out debate with him publicly on the internet, on Tumblr, about whether or not I should even bother buying a Mac, because at the time, I was sort of kind of looking for a new computer. And in the end of the day, he very much won that fight and fast forward to today. And now one, one could consider me, you know, an Apple blogger, maybe. Um, but that, that's probably the thing I'm most known for, if anything, uh, prior to ATP. What do you mean you had a flight over Tumblr? How does that work? So basically, uh, Marco had put up a post. I don't remember where it started, actually. But anyway, I'll, we'll find a link and put it in the show notes. But one of us had put up a post about how, oh, you know, either Macs are so great, they're the best thing ever, if Marco had put it up, or me saying, oh, I don't really get the point. Actually, it might have been about Marco's new at the time Mac Pro, come to think of it, <laughs> which explains my hatred to this day. But um, but either way, one of us put up, you know, either the Mac is, Macs are the greatest thing in the world, or, or perhaps Macs are no good, why bother? And then the other one, whoever didn't start it, be it he or I, 
took bits and pieces of the of the original post and tried to refute it and did that on their own site. So let's assume that Marco started it by saying, oh, this Mac Pro is the best thing ever. Well, I took bits and pieces of what he said. And on my blog, I said, well, Marco says the Mac Pro is the best thing ever. But is it really? I don't think it's really that great. And then this just went back and forth over the span of probably a month um, of just us bantering about whether or not Macs are really any better. I have just found a post, June 9th, 2008, I have succumbed. Yep, that, that's around the end of the argument. And that's, I believe that's the day I bought my uh, Polybook. Hi, Stephen. Please, please stop calling the, the white plastic MacBook a Polybook. Please. But Stephen Hackett enjoys it so much. <laughs> please just call it by its name. Yes. So yes, I bought a white polycarbonate uh, MacBook. MacBook. I think I believe computer. it was the day of the WWDC keynote in 2008 because I wanted to make sure they didn't release new hardware. So you just rushed mm-hmm. immediately. Uh, yep, right after work, I went to the Apple Store with my wife Erin, who is a teacher, and she got me. Actually, strictly speaking, it's her Mac because she bought it with her teacher discount. I've now just found read the Mac Pro to debate rages on. Yeah, exactly. You're you're on the right I'll track. I've put in a bunch of these. I'm just going through your archives and collecting them now. Yep, which is and a lot of fun. I, we'll we'll put some sort of useful useful uh, uh, link in the show notes so you don't have to click on a thousand links. But one way or another, that's what it boiled down to was me saying, "Oh, the Mac is it's not worth it. It's no better than well, maybe okay, maybe I'll try it." To oh yes, I tried it. To oh guess what, I have it and it's the best. Because you know. They are. Because it kind of is. So, yeah. That's the only thing I'd say I was known for prior to ATP, in a, in a blogging sense, anyways. Have you found that over your previous endeavors that you your interest in keeping up a regular blog slides away at all? Yeah, and that's kind of what happened with my Tumblr uh, blog was that I was really into it for a couple of years, and then I just kind of didn't care anymore. And I think Perhaps part of that was not feeling like I was really contributing anything. I didn't feel like I, I had very many original thoughts. And those that I did, I could squeeze into 140 characters. And I don't really feel as guilty throwing a tweet out into the universe because it's so ephemeral by definition. Whereas a blog post, I feel like, carries a little bit more weight and significance to it. And I just didn't feel like I had much to add, so I figured, well, I might as well just shut up then. I think the difference between those two is, like, a blog post, you are consciously committing it to record. Right. You are, you by writing it and posting it, you're, there's maybe more of a, I am putting my name on this to live forever. Whereas maybe a tweet, you know, people expect them to just go by and disappear. You know, because for a while we didn't expect that anything past like 2000 anyone could ever find. You know, right, Twitter right. recently changed that. Do you enjoy writing? Yes, I do. When I have something that I feel is worth sharing, I very much do. I wouldn't say it comes naturally, and I'm not sure if I'm good at it or not. I think I'm getting better, but I do enjoy it when I have something that's worth that I feel is worth it. So do you like do you labor over the work as you're writing it like are you one of those people do you read over and over and over again making minor <laughs> edits or do you just get it out and post it No not at all 
Uh, I read it a thousand times. Um, if it's something that's even marginally significant and or if I think that there's even the slightest chance that it might get some exposure, I typically have my wife proofread it or somebody else if it's you know pr- particularly technical. Maybe I'll ask uh, David Smith or something or Marco or someone to um, to take a look at it. Um, the the post that I put up today about us uh, about Aaron being pregnant, I have I had written a week or two ago and just kept churning on it, churning on it, churning on it, churning on it, and finally let it rip today. You know, two weeks after I'd written it. So you have built your own blog now, you you, you from the ground up essentially. Mm-hmm. I, I know you've been over this, but on on ATP, but what in short what compelled you to build your own platform when there are so many <laughs> there are so many great solutions now why did you want to to go ahead and start from scratch on your own um a few different reasons firstly i think part of the the question that i need to answer is why even bother leaving tumblr because tumblr is a really great site it's a really great platform it has um, its own social network Yes, absolutely. And it's very vibrant. It really, really is. I mean, you can find incredible things on Tumblr. You could argue that Tumblr very, very accurately represents the entire internet because just about anything on the internet, there will be some sort of Tumblr log on Tumblr that that will relate to it. But what I found was, I can't think of a better word than embarrassed because I wasn't embarrassed by my Tumblr log. And I mean, if I was, I would have taken it down by now and I'm not. But I felt like it was a bit of a point of pride to have something that was genuinely mine. And it's kind of like when everyone had Hotmail email addresses, you know, in the late 90s or whatever it was. It was, it was cool to have, some, have an email address that wasn't Hotmail or AOL or maybe today Gmail. And so in part, I wanted to have something that was clearly my own creation, and it was just mine. And I thought about using Squarespace. Um, and we use Squarespace for ATP and we use Squarespace for neutral. And, and, I, and I've actually got something um, cooking on Squarespace now. But for this particular use case, I just wanted to really have control over the whole stack. And Marco has talked about this quite a bit. And a lot of times I think he goes a little overboard with it, but in this particular context, it wasn't that big a problem to bite off. And I just felt like I really wanted something that I could say, I did that. And I'm not just talking about, I wrote those words, but I wrote the mechanism to get those words in front of your eyes. And I wanted, and I knew I would be more proud of it if I had done that. And I think subconsciously I knew that it would encourage me to blog more or write more really if it was something that I was really, really, really proud of, as opposed to my tumble log where it was somebody else's theme, which I put my own colors on and, and then, and it's on top of somebody else's platform. So it's a very, very different setup. So how, after having the idea, why did you choose to make it intentionally more difficult for yourself by writing it in a, in a coding, a programming language that you were not familiar with? Yeah, so my day job is as a developer, and I work in the Microsoft stack. So I write typically in C-sharp using .NET. And I thought briefly about writing something in C-sharp, but C-sharp is great at a lot of things, at quite a lot of things. But I felt like it would have been quite overkill for this. And additionally, I really wanted 
an excuse to learn something new. I find personally in my career that if I haven't learned a new framework or technology or language or something like that, if I don't learn one every six months to a year, I start to get a little feisty and a little cranky and I, and I really just get, I, I get grumbly and I really wanted to teach myself Node.js. Node is a framework built on top of the JavaScript programming language and I'd heard very, very, very good things about it and I wanted to give it a shot and this was a a, def- a definite, a finite, that's really a better word for it, a finite problem that I felt like I could probably solve using Node. And so that's what I challenged myself to do. And I did it. So obviously it's gone okay for you because a website exists on the internet. But overall, are you <laughs> pleased that you made the decision to, to challenge yourself like this? You know, I I think it was, it's definitely worth it. And and, you know, Marco had linked to this post that we've talked about on and off about Aaron and I, and the site survived it. So I kind of feel like if I can survive, you know, not a fireball, but a, but a Marco.org ball, if such a thing exists. You then, cannot dispute the traffic that that man drives. Right. I mean, it's really incredible. It's significant, and so, yes. So, yeah, so I, I feel I feel like it's worked. Um, I actually open sourced the platform as well, although I feel bad calling this thing a platform since it's only a few hundred lines of code. But nevertheless, I open sourced it. You can find it on GitHub. If you fancy it, we'll put a link in the show notes. And, you know, some people have at least looked at it. I've gotten some code submissions. These are called pull requests. And so I feel like it's had at least a modicum of success. And and for that, I'm very proud. And so far, I've been writing every couple of days. And in that regard i'm also proud of it because it's done part of what i've what it set out to do which is forcing me to write more do you you have an rss feed for the site do you also have like a twitter feed for it you know i don't um i thought about it i think part of it is that the site in its entirety is built to scratch my own itches and i don't tend to try to get this kind of quote-unquote news via twitter I, I am a very heavy, well, I, don't know, I shouldn't say very heavy, but I am a RSS user. I believe in RSS. I like RSS. And in that regard, I prefer this sort of thing to come in via RSS. Maybe one day I'll write something to post, to cross post links to Twitter, because I know a lot of people are much like you, Mike, where you do prefer to get a lot of these sorts of things on Twitter. Yep. What I've What I've done as a compromise so far is... I've told myself anything that I think is even remotely remarkable, I'll go ahead and tweet it and I'll use the same um, emoji as kind of a implied, if you don't like this, all of my posts will have this red CL emoji on them. Perfect. And if you don't like that, just go ahead and mute it. It's perfect. I bet you wish you could have it in the, uh, what do they call it? In RSS, sorry. You know how people have to show up in RSS, but it doesn't <laughs> you work. You know, I it? could. And that's the thing is since this is all my own thing, I mean, oh. I could make the RSS do whatever I want, really. But, but yeah, I mean, we'll see if I ever, I ever break into doing a Twitter account. But plus, for someone who, who is arguably self-deprecating to a fault, I feel like it's almost, it's almost kind of obnoxious to create a Twitter account for this site that maybe nobody reads. I mean, I don't keep any RSS stats. I've looked at Google Analytics for the first couple of weeks that the site's been in existence because that's all I've got so far. And I mean, I'm getting quite a bit more readership than I expected, but I almost felt, I almost feel like 
is it obnoxious of me to be like, oh, well, I've got a Twitter feed for my site as well in case you'd like to look at it there. Like, I mean, uh, you're the first person to ask for it. So maybe I don't even need it. What's the difference between having an RSS feed and a Twitter yeah, feed? Yeah, because that's expected. That's normal. I think it's expected to have a Twitter feed. <laughs> I'm being serious. I'm not, I'm not trolling you. Right, so right. A I was just looking for it a moment ago. I, I would like it. So if you ever need a reason, I'm your <laughs> reason. Uh, for my friend Mike Hurley. All right. Well, I'll I'll add it to the queue. And then you can just put that in the bio and be like, I didn't want to do this, Mike, maybe. <laughs> Fair enough. It's all Mike's fault. So what's the result then? You are blogging more um, that you just mentioned. Is that just because it's new? Probably. Uh, I hope not, but probably. I think... I think what's hard for me, and forgive me if I'm jumping a little ahead on the uh, agenda, which, which I can't see, but I think it's hard for me to to encourage myself that I have something worth saying. And that probably sounds ridiculous as someone who is on a reasonably popular podcast. But I I feel like, especially when it comes to blogging, I want to make sure that I have something worth contributing, that if I'm going to steal somebody's attention for a little while then I need to make sure that I am not wasting their attention. And I think on ATP, it's a little bit different because I am one-third of ATP, whereas I am all of CaseyList.com. And thus, I need, I need to do a good job and I need to do better about convincing myself that I have an opinion that's worth sharing and I have information that's worth sharing. And because of that, I think... Uh, the, one of the things I'm growing with as I'm writing on this new website is is forcing myself to believe in myself and to believe that I have something worth sharing. What do you think that you would want to contribute like in the future? Like what sort of things would you like to write about? What, what do you envision that being? You know, it's an excellent question, and I haven't really put a lot of thought into it. And generally speaking, I think when something strikes my fancy and I think it's worth writing about, I'll write about it. What One thing I've noticed is of all the things that I've put on the Internet over the last couple of years, particularly once people started paying a little bit of attention to me, one of the, one of the things I've noticed is that I get the best feedback over the things that I would expect nothing would, nobody would care about, over typically what I would – call touchy-feely things. Mm. So um, for as a great example, uh, our first command space together, um, where we talked about what it's like to be thrust from nobody to kind of somebody. I got, I mean, I can't speak for, for your feedback, but I got incredibly, incredibly great feedback on that. And people really loved it. And the couple of posts that I I'm think most that was proud our second of, one. Oh, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe yeah, it was, it was. either one, it was, whichever one it was, I got tremendously great feedback about it. And and the posts on my Tumble log that I'm most proud of, um, one about my grandmother and growing up and just believing in yourself. One about I guess also believing in yourself. One about uh, how I tend to be too self-deprecating. I've gotten unbelievably good feedback about those posts, and this is a roundabout way of saying that. I feel like if there's anything that I have to contribute, it's being somebody in a very one, a very binary, very ones and zeros kind of world, but contributing a very kind of analog set of stories and thoughts to this binary world to talk about feelings, to talk about what it was like dealing with 
infertility, for example, which is, which is something that I talk, spoke about on the blog post today. And all these things that people don't often speak of. And for better or worse, in both my real life, my private life, my personal life, and, and now my online, online life, I tend to wear my heart on my sleeve, and sometimes that's bad, but a lot of times that's very good. And so it's hard to talk about these things, but it's something I feel worth. I feel like it's worth doing. And so if I were to wager a guess, I bet you'll see a lot more of this touchy-feely kind of stuff in the future. So you have a popular podcast of which you must contribute content to every week uh, yep. if you want to keep up with the schedule as I know that you guys do. Does ATP not allow you to say all the things that you need to say? <laughs> you know, it's not, very... not meant in a, you know, no, I don't. I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean that in a, in a jokey way. Like, does it not give you the complete outlet that you want? It does and it doesn't. The what it gives me a fairly complete outlet when it comes to technical things, to what's going on with Apple these days, to what's going on in the world of Microsoft these days. For technical things, it is pretty complete, and I don't suspect I'll contribute to my blog very often with those sorts of things. But when it comes to, like I said, the kind of touchy feely things or the things that that don't appear to be what people, as they say, tune in for, then oftentimes if we stray too far from the Apple talk, we'll get some pretty grumpy feedback about it. And you can look at iTunes reviews and you can look at some of the tweets. When we stray into, into things that aren't concretely Apple, a lot of times we get kind of slapped on the wrist by listeners. Now, there are some exceptions to that. The episode, I think it was 40-something, where we talked about criticism, we got unbelievably great feedback for. But there were a couple of people that still were grumbly. And so ATP absolutely fills that void for me when it comes to more technical, more nerdy things. But anything outside of that, or something that I'm new to, for example, creating my own blog engine and open sourcing it, I briefly talked about it on ATP, but I've also written a couple of blog posts about it because I think that's interesting and I think it's worth exploring in more depth than I think many ATP listeners would want to hear about. So, podcasting. Do you think that doing the show every week prompts you for things to write about? Or do you are the two things kind of separate for you in that in that regard like you have the show and you think about this for the show and then you think about this to blog with or like do you think that there is there is an overlap between the two or do you think that there could be an overlap between the two or do you think that primarily you will have everything that you want to talk about nailed on the show and it's totally different when you're off the show um, I think that there is certainly some overlap I think generally speaking if I think of something to talk about then it's pretty apparent to me pretty quickly where it belongs, which outlet is most most appropriate for it. Um, generally, the thought process is, is this something that I think your average ATP listener would want to hear about? So, for example, would I want to hear about this if I wasn't part of the show? Additionally, is this something that I think Marco and John will be able to contribute? You know, it, it, or is it me just going on a monologue for a while? And if it's something I think that people might want to hear, and if it's something I think Marco and John can play off of, then I'll probably save it for the show. And I can't think of a great example offhand where this has already happened, but I know it has. 
Conversely, you know, if I don't think your average ATP listener wants to hear about it, or if, or if perhaps I don't think Marco and John will have very much to say, then that's clearly fodder for the blog post. And here again, you know, it's, everything becomes a little different when one is a solo venture and the other is a trio. And so sometimes maybe I'll want to put my name on something that's just for me. Like, for example, this post about our pregnancy. I'm sure Marco and John would have things to say about it. I'm sure that they would have wonderful things to say about it. And I mean that both congratulatory and very interesting. But nevertheless, I think that's something that I should own and own by myself. And who knows? Maybe we'll talk about it this week and maybe we won't. So you are a podcaster as well as a blogger. What do you, and, and I'm sure that you've listened to podcasts for many years. In fact, Absolutely. I, know, I know that you have, because um, I remember I was listening to a show of some description, an old episode, I think, of Hypercritical a little while ago, and your name popped up <laughs> yes. as providing some feedback for John. Uh, what do you think about when you look at the podcasting world now? To me, and it's probably because I'm so deep within it and probably this part of me that's hoping, it seems like there's some movement and it's over the last maybe 12 months and it seems like I feel like podcasting is getting its 2005 blogging moment and Mike Montero and John Gruber had a great discussion similar to this on um, last week's episode or this week's episode of the talk show. Um, mm-hmm. How do you view the podcasting world at the moment? It's a very good question, and it's a very hard thing to concretely answer. I feel like we are possibly in podcasting's finest hour. I think that it's become easier for somebody like, say, Marco, John, and I to put together what I would argue is a world-class quality podcast. And I'm talking more about the audio quality. You know, I'll leave you to decide whether or not the content's any good. But we have what I think is a very good-sounding podcast. And to be honest, we haven't spent very much money on equipment to get there. We each bought a microphone. Actually, they've since upgraded. I haven't yet. But we each spent a couple hundred dollars on a microphone. Um, Marco spent, I think, a little bit of money on, I believe he uses Logic to do the editing. He does. And, And that's about it. And we even do a live broadcast, which is something you don't see very often for non-network shows. And in fact, you don't even see that very often in general. And Hello. I'd, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, Marco was able to put that together with, from what I understood to be, not a tremendous amount of work. There's a lot of moving parts. It required him to use a, a server that he has somewhere in the cloud. But nevertheless we were able to do that and do that independently. And so here's three guys that, you know, we all knew how to talk into a tube, as I like to say, but none of us really knew how to produce a podcast before Neutral started. And we decided, let's figure it out. And to be fair, Marco did a lot of that figuring out, in fact, the overwhelming majority of it. But nevertheless, here it was three random guys on the internet were able to put together what I think is a world-class audio caliber podcast. And that... I don't think was the case that long ago. You know, it didn't Squarespace is able to set up a site that's excellent for podcasting. It works perfectly and you can host your, your files with Squarespace. You can host them with Libsyn. And so it, it doesn't take that much work 
to create a podcast. And that is wonderful. And I think that that's why we're in such a good spot. And because there's so many people with so many wide ranging and interesting opinions that there are so many good shows that are worth listening to. However, what I fear a little bit is if it becomes too easy to create a podcast, what will be the effect of that? If every, if every person on the planet has their own podcast, what does that mean for the entire medium? Does it mean that somebody like a Mike Hurley stands out even more? Or does it mean that Mike Hurley's just another face in the overwhelming crowd? What did it do for blogging? And that's the thing, is that evidence shows us that it's probably going to be for the best. It's wonderful to have that much content out there, to have that many people contributing. But, you know, it, it, it makes me wonder. It makes me, I don't know about worry, but it makes me wonder. I mean, how do you feel about this? How do you think the future of podcasting looks? I think it looks bright. As do I. As do I. And I mean, Marco did a really good talk about this. Uh, what was it at uh, XOXO? And, <laughs> and when he debuted or announced yeah, um, Overcast. Overcast. Yeah. The guy in the crowd who shouts is me. And the funny thing about that is uh, I watched the video of Marco giving this talk, which was excellent. And sure enough, I heard, not knowing that it was you, I heard somebody, because Marco has a slide and I believe it read, podcasts are awesome or because podcasts are awesome or something like that. And that slide flashes on the screen and you hear somebody in the background, yeah! <laughs> sure enough, I come to find yeah. out later that that's Mike Hurley. It was me. I was, oh, I was so emotional. Watching that, it was awesome, and it's a great pep talk. And I don't because that's what it was for me. Like it yeah. was a yes, you were doing the right thing here. Plus, yep. Marco put command space on the. This is a total humble brag. He put it on the <laughs> his like wall of shows. It was just a good fit. It was a great feeling, you know, to see. Oh, I can only imagine. And and I think he's right, and I think you're right. I think we are on the edge of something great. And the fact that the technology is cheaper and better is a great thing. You know, it's a very weird analogy, and and inevitably I'll end up getting flack for this. But I feel like this reminds me a little bit of what it was like to be interested in trading tapes of Dave Matthews concerts. And I believe you could say the same for Fish. What um, are you saying right now? But so please on. carry on. Um, yeah, let me, let me bring this around. <laughs> so when I first got into Dave Matthews in the late 90s, it was true then, and it is today, that you could take a couple of microphones, put them on a stand, and put the stand, you know, extend the stand so it's like 10 feet or 15 feet in the air. And you, you can record their concert as long as you're using microphones and you're not using like a radio transmitter receiver or anything like that. And you, you can record the concerts and you can trade them amongst your friends. Hmm. And this is something that's very popular. Fish does this as well. Although now I believe... Um, you can buy you can buy much better recordings of every single fish concert, and I believe that's what Marco does. But at the you time, anyway, so. yeah, you know, and, and so at the time, that's what that's what was possible with with Dave Matthews. And when I was doing this in the late '90s, everyone was recording onto digital audio tapes, onto DAT tapes, and then inevitably they, those would get recorded onto traditional cassette tapes, and that's what people traded. And so they traded tapes. Well. Right around this time was when CDRs became a thing and a thing that a regular human could afford. And so suddenly, instead of having these concert recordings that admittedly started in a very analog, you know, open air microphone way, but then all of a sudden they could be digital from the microphone all the way to your ears when it becomes analog again. And so you didn't have any of that 
and you have that hiss from the analog tapes, from the cassette tapes. And suddenly these concert recordings got unbelievably good. You can still hear the audience. You can still find a really crummy recording because they're bad mics or the mics aren't positioned correctly or whatever, what have you. But suddenly these recordings got so good. And I feel like that was because the technology got that much better and it got that much easier and that much cheaper to get a really great recording out of these concerts. And I feel like in many ways, that's where podcasting is. You don't have to spend $1,000 on a microphone. You don't have to spend $1,000 on the bandwidth to get your show to those who want to listen to it. You can do it pretty cheaply. And I feel like that's where we are now. And that's a really magical, really wonderful place to be. Does that make sense now? And on that bombshell. (laughs) Yeah, no, that did make sense. But we have come to the end of the episode today. Casey, well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate you being here. And I want to congratulate you again, you and your, your lovely lady wife. On, <laughs> on your, thank you very much. We're very excited. On your achievement. Yes, yes. Achievement unlocked, right? Mm-hmm. Casey Liss, like where can people find you on the internet? Sure. So if you'd like to look at this blog that we've spent however long talking about, it is at www.caseylist.com. You can find me on Twitter at Casey Liss, C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S. And you can you find wrong. my podcast with friends, the Accidental Tech Podcast, at ATP.FM. I couldn't help myself. You said it wrong. Yeah. C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S, because that's Casey Liss. I can't believe I'm just saying that on the air. We're going to have to cut that. No, that's, that's I'm just going to loop that. I know you are. That's going to be the entire episode. Great. So, Mr. List, thank you. It's always a pleasure. And thank you all for listening. If you want to find the show notes for today's episode, you can go to 5x5.tv slash cmdspace slash 96. That's where you're going to find all the links. I am on Twitter also. I am I-M-Y-K-E. I'm I-M-I-K on Twitter. I do not have a song which uh, announces <laughs> my Twitter name. It's just me that does it every week. Uh, thank you all for listening. Until next week. Bye-bye.